Welcome to the Armageddon Retrospect Podcast. Today, a very special episode and guest, none other than Satan the Devil himself. Satan, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a distinct honor and pleasure to be here. Let's start out with a really big point. The Watchtower says that Jehovah in his wisdom has never told us your personal name. All we have are titles, Satan, Devil, Beelzebub. So could you please, for the first time ever, reveal your original name to all of us? Gladly. My name is Francis. You can call me Frankie, for short. Actually, I just prefer the title, saying it does sound a little more badass. I'm going to be honest and say that's uh, a tad disappointing. It's not really good for me to finally put my name out there. You see, I went through all the trouble of hiding Jehovah's real name. Uh, Jehovah isn't a real name that's made up, and, and nobody knows how to pronounce it. And he decided to hide my name. So it just feels really fucking good to finally get it out there, even if I still prefer to go by Satan. Okay, fair enough. To start out, I would just, uh, before we really get into the interview, I want to talk about your publicist. It, it was so hard to get you on this show, the guy, the, I guess he's a demon, the demon's name is Legion, because there's many of him, and yet it seems he can't multitask, it took him forever to get back to me in my fucking emails, it just, is that the best you can do for a publicist? I'll admit that Legion's uh, strengths are not administrative tasks. He's just not good with the emails, text messages, phone calls. He really prefers a rush of just possessing swine and running them over a precipice. But look, I'm dealing with a bunch of reject angels, so it's the best I had to put out there uh, as my public face. I'm glad that, despite that, I could get you on the show. I know you have a very full schedule. There's people... That need to be misled, blinded, killed. There's wars that need to be started. There's pestilence that needs to be spread around. Seems that with there being more and more people born every day, that you really have your hands full. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on. It is a very busy lifestyle, but I love it. It's my passion. I just feel like I've found my place in the universe and that I'm living my best life. Good for you. Uh, I would like to take some time and just ask you some questions, get, dive in a little bit into your history, your background, and then talk eventually about what you're up to these days. So let's start out with kind of rewinding to the beginning. Uh, tell us a little bit about what it was like back when you were in heaven. Honestly, I never enjoyed it that much. Uh, two things come to mind. One, it was boring. The only job 
had up there was to praise Jehovah over and over and over again. You want to talk about fucking boring? Oh, Jehovah, you're so great. Oh, Jehovah, everything you made is so wonderful. Oh, Jehovah, you're so nice. And the second thought is that it was your typical family business. Jehovah was up there handing out orders to people. His son, Jesus, is claiming all the credit for everything. And all the angels are just kissing ass around them. Okay, speak to us a little more specifically about how you decided to break out of those molds. I decided that I wanted to mix things up a bit. Jehovah was so serious all the time. Just, you know, the guy was dull, to put it frankly. And I just wanted him to loosen up. So I kind of took on the role of a court jester, trying to make jokes, trying to introduce some humor into things. Uh, I know Jesus claims all the credit for the creation as a master worker, but the honest truth is, is I was the one to introduce humor into creation, and of course you're not going to give me credit for it. Did you know that humans weren't going to fart? That was me. I came up with the idea. I thought it would be hilarious. Okay, so you're trying to loosen things up in heaven. And it seems like some of the ideas were getting some laughs and even some acceptance among Jehovah and Jesus. So what went wrong? Yeah, Jehovah was putting up with so much shenanigans and finding them amusing even. Until that whole Garden of Eden thing. Now, I thought the whole experiment was a joke from the beginning. A fruit tree, don't eat from the fruit or you'll die. just seemed like a big fucking joke to me. So I thought Joe would have no problem if I took a snake and used it like a ventriloquist to get Eve and Adam to eat some fruit. I just wanted to shake up his ant farm a little. Well, obviously that didn't happen. No. He, one day, was in the garden looking for Adam and Eve. He was getting really pissed off. He couldn't find them, even though he could see everything. And finally, Adam yells out from behind the bush that he's naked. And Jehovah fucking lost it. Who told you you were naked? Jehovah wanted to know. And, of course, uh, Adam pointed fingers at Eve, and then Eve pointed fingers back at the snake and eventually the uh, trail of crumbs came all the way back to me and Jova just was not happy about that at all. I guess at this point if you've read the good book you will know that Jehovah wasn't joking. He did let Adam and Eve die for eating the fruit. How do you feel about that? Does that weigh on you at all? Nope, not at all. Okay, well, tell us what the few days were like after that happened. It was really awkward, still being in heaven. I thought Jehovah would just eventually let it go and chill out, but he couldn't let it go. He's always like, vengeance is mine, vengeance is mine. And so eventually he just asked that we kind of 
leave heaven as much as possible. Uh, me and all the angels who laughed at the prank. This is something I've always actually been confused about. Why he didn't kick you completely out of heaven when this happened. It, it seems you still, there was like an open door policy. It, it, you know, in modern times, if you go to a congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses or one of their kingdom halls and you somehow disrupt the meeting, the first thing they tell you is that your invitation has been revoked. <laughs> it's no longer public and you have to leave and you can't come back. So you actually cause Adam and Eve's death. You make these angels join your side because they find it amusing and yet you're still allowed in heaven and i just have never understood that me neither frankly jehovah just told me you know where we're at feel free to pop back in and taunt me from time to time yeah still strikes me as strange anyway let's fast forward a little bit to just before the flood now, some strange things are happening I, I, I want to talk about with your demons, I guess, cronies, whatever you want to call them. They start to notice that human women are beautiful. And from there, things take a strange turn. Can you just kind of fill us in on what the hell was going on? Well, the demons have a lot of time on their hands. You see, at this time, there, was, there were no yard sales. Those didn't exist. So they didn't have a lot of objects that they could possess and then go into people's homes and move their furniture. They were essentially just sitting around half in heaven, half out with me. And one day, yeah, they were looking down. There were some women bathing in some water. And then one of them was like, hey, I think I'd like to, to fuck a human. And uh, even I was like, what the hell are you talking about, dude? What the hell? And I said, that's impossible. You're a spirit. And then I'll just never forget. He said, actually, uh, Jehovah hasn't taken away our ability to materialize dicks. And I was floored. I, I couldn't believe it. And I said, well, I, I cooled him, I guess, you know, as long as it's consensual. I'll do whatever you like. It seems like they kind of got carried away, like they wanted to be the founders of, of Mormonism, because the Bible says they just started taking women as, as many wives as they wanted. Things did spiral out of control. Uh, they, there was no contraception at that time. And demons don't shoot blanks. They don't shoot blanks. And next thing you know, uh, these women were pregnant. And, my God, these giant babies started coming out. Just massive. And they were good-looking. Just huge guys. They got the nickname Nephilim. And, wow, they just walked around in leopard print loincloths, stealing people's fruit baskets. And Jehovah just was furious. Yeah, and at this point, he's so angry that his solution is to have a guy build a fucking boat that defies all aspects of modern engineering. 
so that him and his family can survive and he can drown everything and everybody else except these eight people. Now, the kicker is, is that the demons, your demons, I guess, even though it seems like you're not totally responsible for their actions, uh, although you probably could have maybe preached a little more caution, they could just leave the bodies they had materialized and return back to you and not really suffer any of the consequences of their actions. I mean, they weren't obviously that good of fathers anyways. Yeah, this might disturb some of your listeners, but frankly, the demons were just so happy that they wouldn't have to pay child support. Do you have any idea how expensive it is to feed a Nephilim? Well, my mother has some idea, but that's besides the point. But let's move on to your next appearance, more or less major appearance in the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures, and that is the story of Job. Oh yes, I, I knew this would come up, but I can't do an interview without someone wanting to talk about Job. Tell us uh, the real story about how things transpired there. Well, the demons and I used to have a poker night every Thursday, and one night we were drinking pretty heavily and having a great time, and one of the demons said, wouldn't it be funny if you made a wager with Jehovah I tried to make a bet with him? And of course he would never take it, but you should try it, it'd be hilarious. Oh, I can see where this is heading. Yes, exactly. The Jehovah and the Angels used to have a potluck on the weekend, so I decided to show up during their potluck, and uh, they were enjoying some Swedish meatballs, and I said, hey Jehovah, I bet you that Job won't stay faithful to you if he suffers a shit ton of uh, problems. And I, again, I just never thought the guy would take the bet. And he basically forced me into playing out the bet and said, here he is, he's in your hands. Do whatever you want, just don't kill him. I'm still in disbelief that he would just place everything in your hands over a wager. Like, you can do anything to Job besides kill him. It's just unbelievable to me. Yeah, I was floored. I was scrambling to find things to do to Job because... I'm not a quitter, and I'm not a loser. So I said, i got to make this good if, if I'm going to win this bet. Can you tell me what you are actually trying to prove with this wager? Nothing other than the fact that Jehovah's an asshole, and that he's willing to let me ruin his servant's life just over a stupid bet. I think I proved that with no problem. You sure did. Okay, well... I mean, other than that, we know how the story played out. Job stays faithful. Uh, you killed his kids. You turn his wife uh, against him. You kill all of his livestock, take all of his riches. He's poor. He has a sickness, boils, all of that. And he stays faithful to Jehovah. Of course he stayed faithful to Jehovah. But wait till one day when he finds out that all that shit happened because of wager. You see, he didn't know that. <laughs> and... When he reads the book, which was written after he was already dead, boy, is he going to be pissed at Jehovah. And then we'll see who ultimately wins the bet. Yeah, just as a side note, it's funny to me that the Watchtower doesn't allow gambling, and yet <laughs> the God that they worship, Jehovah, is, is essentially gambling with his servants' lives to, to prove something that just doesn't even really matter in the end. Anyway, all right, let's, let's, 
let's go forward and talk about Jesus a little bit. I want to talk about Jesus' life and death. I know you knew Jesus from way back in the day, but then he materializes a human body and comes to earth to prove something. And I just kind of want to talk about where you intersect when when he's on earth. To be honest, I, I don't necessarily have a lot to say. Jehovah had prophesied so many things about Jesus' life before he even showed up. And it's impossible for him to lie. His word has to come true. By the time Jesus came to earth, I had no choice in the matter. Everything I was doing was prophesied. And I couldn't... I, I was aware. It was like I was a passive observer of my own actions. I didn't necessarily want to kill Jesus, but I had no choice because Jehovah said he had to die. And Jehovah even said how he was going to die and how he was going to be betrayed by one of his intimate companions. So I, I had no control over my own actions. I was aware of them, but I couldn't control them. Wait, so are you saying that even though you get blamed for killing Jesus and all that happened there with Judas Iscariot and everything, that's actually Jehovah's fault? Well, if the dickhead hadn't prophesied all that shit happening to him, then, yeah, maybe I would have had a choice. I would have done something different, but I didn't. I didn't have a choice. Yeah, I guess I never thought about this. I, I thought of you as, like, a master chess player in this whole situation, but you're actually just a pawn. You're a pawn, and Jehovah, by means of prophecy, is just moving you around the board, getting you to... <laughs> To wipe out the pieces he doesn't want there because he needs some type of human sacrifice to appease his sense of justice yeah it's really funny because jehovah is always oh i hate human sacrifices and then his organization as they like to call themselves the watchtower is always saying oh jehovah detests human sacrifices and his solution to all mankind's problems is in fact a human sacrifice and it's his own kid. How can Jehovah find it terrible for parents to make their kid pass through the fire as a sacrifice and then have his kid do just that? You've got a valid point there. You're definitely always painted as a bad guy, but really taking a step back i'm kind of having a tough time with jehovah's role in all of this do you ever get upset by the fact that you're kind of his whipping boy <laughs> a scapegoat if you will in the beginning i get upset uh throws a lot of shade my way but ultimately i realized that whatever the guy wants to say about me we essentially have the same role which is killing as many people as possible it does seem that way from what I've read in the Bible. I, I would like to jump ahead now in the timeline. Uh, we covered up the time of Jesus, but let's just jump ahead to the year 1914. I know that was, uh, from all accounts, what I've heard, a tough year for you. Would you like to talk about 1914? The watch organization's blown a year completely out of proportion. Uh, it wasn't really that big of a deal. You see... I got thrown completely out of heaven. My invitation was revoked in 1914, but that was fine with me. I frankly didn't want to go to heaven. 
I can talk to him from Earth. It's not like he can't see me and see what I'm doing. So, what, who fucking cares? I don't care if I can go to heaven. I just wasn't feeling that up there anyways. All the holiness and the angels and oh, they're up there praising Jehovah. Fuck that. Look, I am happy being confined to Earth. Why? Because I love suffering. I like, I like the human condition. It's fun. I get to, to, to fuck around with the humans. Uh, 1914 was a great year for me, actually. World War was going on, raging, lots of death, pestilence, all that good stuff, all the things I like. On top of that, uh, I, you know, I get to encourage people to have lots of sex, which is something I truly enjoy. And it's just been great. Actually, life has been great since 1914. And, you know, Jehovah thought he was doing me a disservice by disfellowshipping me in that year. But, wow, that's one of the best things that ever happened to me, which is being completely kicked out of heaven. Do you at least have any negativity towards the fact that Jesus was made king in that year? And, you know, the first act is to toss you out. Can you talk about that at all? All I have to say about that is that Jesus is such a fucking hypocrite. Right? He was on earth and walking around preaching, none of you are greater than the other. You're all brothers. You're all equal. Blah, 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 blah. And then what happens? He goes to heaven and it's a fucking hierarchy. He gets to be made king. Oh, I'm sitting on the right hand side of God. Oh, I am so special. I'm king over everybody. Oh, and let me take these humans and make them kings over people. He's such a hypocrite. That's all I have to say about it. I could care less if he wants to be his little king under Jehovah. It doesn't matter to me. I, frankly, I'm doing what I love. I'm not, I'm not jealous. I could care less. Very interesting. I, I really uh, thought you were more upset about the uh, events of 1914, but I can clearly see you're not. Now, shifting gears a little bit, there's something I just want to point out. It seems that, according to the Watchtower, you have some contradictions about yourself. On one hand, they say that you want people to worship you. And on the other hand, they say that you love it if people don't know that you exist or don't believe in you or don't think that you're a real being that seems like a contradiction to me how are people going to worship you if they don't even know you exist can you, can you explain that contradiction first i'm the fucking devil so if i want to contradict myself i can damn well do it secondly i am not really worried about recognition that's just something that's been blown completely out of proportion all I care about is my process. I don't care if I get the credit or not, or what people believe or don't believe, or whether people worship me. All I care about is just optimized human suffering, and again, fucking with people. That's what my demons and I are focused on, and everything else is just window dressing. I guess it's Jehovah who's hyper-focused on worship and tends to boil down everything to that and it seems like that's just been dumped in your lap then exactly the whole worship thing is Jehovah's shtick and frankly if you think about his playbook he's the one that wants people to worship him unconditionally and at the same time doesn't provide evidence that he exists so there's a contradiction for you true I'd like to wrap up the interview talking about future events 
Now, the end is coming of the world, according to Jehovah's Witnesses. Armageddon. And in Armageddon, after all the wicked people are destroyed, you are going to be bound up and thrown in an abyss for a thousand years of inactivity. And then, for some strange reason, re-released. I want to get your feelings on that upcoming thousand-year abyss, and then your re-release. I just don't understand Jehovah's logic, or lack of logic. Think about it. What's left to prove? <laughs> he thinks I need to serve a thousand-year prison sentence of inactivity. Frankly, for me, I can't wait for the break. I've been so busy. I'm really looking forward to that thousand years of inactivity. I feel like it's going to really recharge my batteries. I'll come out energized after the millennium, ready to really mislead people and cause more death and suffering. Okay, well, in the Revelation book that the Jehovah's Witnesses published, this whole event uh, is portrayed, all the people are portrayed as these hippies with bandanas around their head and sticks and clubs and their surrounding uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Is that how you imagine that going down in your head? I'm a huge fan of unkempt hair, long hair, on men, and beards. So yes, that is how I imagine that. I do prefer people to attack other people cane style whenever I can encourage that, which is yes, with the club, preferably bludgeoning them on the back of the head. And that's how I imagine it happening. I really want to go out with a bang my last time around. And that seems like a really great fucking party to end everything on. Well, uh, Satan, uh, Francis, this has been, wow, just extremely eye-opening. Again, I appreciate you taking out your time. I'm hoping I can have you back on before you're abyssed. If you can find some time in your schedule. Again, I know you're very busy. I just feel like there's a lot more to talk about so please come back on when you have some time thank you it's been really good to clear the air of some things uh, some misconceptions and get the story straight and yeah i'd love to come back on i'd like to thank everybody for listening to my first conversation with satan and just mention that if you'd like to get in touch with him buy any object that was used in spiritistic practices from a yard sale Put it in your house, put it on, and him and his demons will be happy to call on you. And you too can perhaps have an interesting conversation with them. If you'd like to speak with me, uh, I can't possess objects at this point, but I am on Instagram at Armageddon Podcast, or you can email me, ArmageddonPodcast at gmail.com. We